0: The word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for, the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. Hello, hello, this is Darwin Nesadou. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Ekphrastic a podcast where we paint pictures with words. Today's subject, artist Danny Farrell. He's known for his sensitive paintings of people from within his LGBTQ plus community, but sensitive doesn't mean weak. In fact, Danny's paintings, abundant in a glowing palette, assert in his subjects defiance, saturated in color, brimming with life. But first, let's get into some art news. The Ukrainian artist... Making Work as Acts of Resistance. This first article is from the Financial Times. And, uh, you know, Russia is uh, is bombing Ukraine still. It's been over a month now this thing's been going on. Uh, but as uh, the Russians bomb, uh, bombs fall and people flee uh, Ukraine. New art is expressing steely determination and the survival of the spirit. And they begin. Although Russia invaded Ukraine only a month ago. It has already produced artistic responses that show both steely determination and particular sense of desperate irony, which characterizes Ukrainian society in the face of a dirty and dishonorable war. In a visual diary, artist um, she publishes on Instagram, uh, uh, Alevtina Kakhids uh, has been depicting her everyday experiences and thoughts on military aggression since Russia escalated its Preparation for war. In one entry shortly before the invasion, the artist who has been featured at the uh, Whitechapel Gallery and the Manifesta Biennial portrayed herself uh, between gifts of arms and good wishes from friendly nations and a battery of Russian weapons. Two weeks later, Kakids, who is based in Kiev uh, but originally from the occupied Donetsk region, drew herself and her home by the intersection of routes taken by the Russian tanks in their attempt to seize the Ukrainian capital. Ukraine Will Resist, a recent painting on paper by the Lviv-based artist who works under the alias Kinder Album, depicts the war between Ukraine and Russia as a confrontation between humanity and machinery, nature and artificial, artificiality, vulnerability and strength, where the former wins. Ukrainian people are shown nude, but in a great collective effort to resist. Russia is a lonely armored tank that fails to proceed between uh, because of the deceptively fragile human force it confronts. But it is not only in the past month that Ukrainians have been making work about war and its many ramifications. Since 2014, when Donbass and Crimea were occupied by Russia, the country's artists have been more political and engaged with documenting the war's impact, changing their focus to resistance and art activism as they address issues of identity and opposition to the invasion. They have become more concerned about the topics of trauma, contested memory, displacement, and violence. Kinder Album has exhibited work about the war in international shows such as Between Fire and uh, and Fire in Vienna in 2019. Uh, Kakids, who has strongly spoken out against Russian aggression since 2014, says her art's concerns shifted. If before the war started, <laughs> yeah, I bet you <laughs> they shifted it. It'll, it'll do that to you. Nothing like a random war of aggression, right? To do that to you. And before the war, sh- uh, if before the war started, I criticized the society of consumption after 2014, I completely changed the focus. Unprotected shop displays uh, in the windows become for me a sign of peaceful life. A plethora of Ukrainian artists have been dealing with the topics of humanity and bodily experience as resistance to war and the vision of Russia as a repression machine. For example, in the project Demarcation Line, Vlada Roko depicted the struggle over the line between occupied and non-occupied territories as a tension between an almost nude woman standing for Ukraine, shedding light on a two-faced military figure enveloped in darkness um, and attempting to protect her, uh, his ambish, uh, ambiguous monstrosity with his uniform. Her New York dove piece rapes a city. Mixing drawing and painting on paper reflects the full-scale invasion, converting the same double-headed monster into Russia's coat of arms, only with skulls instead of eagles, as it shells a Ukrainian city. Ralko says, I have nothing to say about this situation except I have a demand to close the sky and to send humanitarian missions to Ukraine. This is not a computer game. We are alive people, and we need not only a symbolic support, but a real one. And the article goes on to depict several other images uh, the different artists have been putting together. Uh, one is a mom and her baby giving a finger to the invaders, presumably. Um, and there's another one with a body laying in a field. It's a pencil drawing. So there's several, there's, there's several iterations here that depict the resistance, uh, from the top down, the Ukrainian people have been exhibiting, uh, it's just very encouraging. Uh, and I would hope, well, you know, I, I don't, nothing like that could ever happen to the United States. I mean, I, I, I just can't see it. It's just, we're bordered by two giant bodies of water and two friendly nations. To our north and our south. So, and besides that, we we spend way too much money on our um, <laughs> on our military and everything to to where we will be invaded and, and couldn't defend our, and defend ourselves to where the the citizens, the regular civilians, are out there, you know, uh, with uh, pitchforks and, and, and machetes if if they got them, you know, just to defend their their, their territory, just defend their homeland. So, uh, check out the Financial Times, the article again is the Ukrainian artist making work as acts of resistance. Moving on here to a piece in art news, the Whitney Museum Workers Stage Union, Stage Union event uh, during VIP opening for 2022 Biennial. And there have a picture here of a couple workers. Whitney workers want fair wages. And we'll go on to the article. Uh, workers at the Whitney Museum in New York handed out leaflets Tuesday night in below freezing temperature, calling for support for their union as VIP guests arrived at an invite-only opening of the 2022 Whitney Biennial, the institution's hallmark exhibition that occurs every two years. About three dozen Whitney workers and allied workers from other museums stood in front of the Whitney uh, to call attention to seemingly stalled negotiations between the union and the museum leadership. The lack of progress has been extremely frustrating. They haven't put a dime on the table. And that's why we're here tonight. Maida Rosenstein, president of UAW Local 2110, told Art News outside the museum Tuesday night. And this was written uh, on March 30th, actually. Negotiations began last November after Whitney workers voted in uh, in August to unionize by a 99% margin. Wow, that's power to the people. And affiliate themselves with the Technical Office and Professional Union Local 2110 UAW, which also represents workers at the Museum of Modern Art and the New Museum. The union represents around 200 employees at the museum. The union's main proposal involves compensation, including establishing a salary floor. Many workers make less than $20 an hour, and increasing health benefits is another thing that they want. Representatives of the Whitney emailed the uh, following statement. The Whitney enjoys a longstanding and productive working relationship with the four other unions that have been established at the museum. The Whitney voluntarily welcomed local 2110 last summer and has, um, has been negotiating with them in good faith since then. We've already made progress on a number of points. We look forward to continuing our discussion at our regular scheduled meeting with them next week. Uh, so there's a lot of going back and forth here. Uh, Fast forward towards the end here, uh, and they're going to say the pandemic has been a huge force in a national wave of unionizing. The union at the at the Whitney Museum was formed in response to two successive rounds of layoffs that stemmed from the pandemic and an almost complete loss of tourism, and by extension, a, de- a decrease in revenue for the Whitney. Um, Amazon was going through the same thing. You know, there's a Starbucks. I remember there's different Starbucks franchises that were. Uh, folks were looking to unionize. So yeah, it's it's true. The pandemic maybe if, uh, has gotten people realizing their value and, and their worth. And, um, you know, we, we call all these folks essential workers this entire time, but yet we don't treat them as much when we don't need them uh, as, as heavily as we did during the pandemic. So it's finally, you know, the workers are gathering their power. And, you know, right, like the motto says, um, together we bargain, alone we beg. And if you, if, 21, if twenty one is twenty dollars an hour and enough for a living to, to make a living where where you're where you're staying at, and they're just trying to pay you less uh, than minimum, that's you know for for the for the city or for the state that you're living in. Yeah, get together in a union and make them pay you the them wages. You're gonna pay your CEOs and, and everybody freaking uh, three hundred times some companies three hundred times the the median uh, wage of the company. So yeah, you know I have. No love for uh, oppressing workers. So if they can find their power and still do what they love in terms of working at the museum, then more power to the unions. And this article wraps up by saying, But as New York continues reopening, Rosenstein said it was time for the Whitney to work with the union to approve a contract. Tourism is back, is going to come back, she said. This place is uh, places like the Whitney are not going to shutter. They're going to thrive. So we should a rising tide if it's going to thrive everybody's coming back to the museums Everybody's going back out into the world um let's all thrive together make sure the workers thrive too. okay we'll wrap up uh some of the new the news here with this last one is uh, from what am i reading this from inform new i think it's supposed to be uh so it's a new york based website uh and it's a call out so a shout out to uh, students uh, they're being invited to participate in a nationwide art competition. So if you're if you're uh, within the sound of my voice and you're a young artist, you know, pay attention because you know this could be your your big shot. So the 2022 Congressional Art Competition has officially begun. The competition is held each spring and encourages students across the nation to submit their visual art to their respective uh, the representative's office. The goal of the competition is to recognize and inspire artists artistic talent in the nation, and in each congressional district. Artwork entered by students can be up to 26 inches by 26 inches, up to 4 inches in depth, but should not weigh more than 15 pounds. Additionally, all entries must be original in concept, design, and execution, and cannot violate any U.S. copyright laws. Students can... uh, That's funny. Uh, This is a foreshadowing of uh, the last thing I'll bring up after this article. Keep that... uh, We'll put a pin in that one. Students can submit paintings done using oil, acrylics, or watercolor, and drawings done using pastels, color pencils, pencil, charcoal ink, and markers. The competition also accepts collages, but they must be two-dimensional, and prints can be submitted, such as lithographs, silkscreen, and block prints. Students are also encouraged to create a mixed-media piece for the competition by using more than two mediums such as pencil, ink, watercolor, and other mediums. They can also submit computer generated art or photography pieces. The full list of rules and regulations for students, uh, for both students and teachers regarding the competition can be found on, um, where's this? So this is, uh, oh, they just put a PDF here, but I'm sure you, you, you Google house, house.gov, uh, and, uh, and, and look for a student art competition. Uh, You know, House of Representatives, so house.gov, you'll find all the full list of rules and regulations there. Those interested in participating in the competition are required to fill out the student information and release form and submit their work by April 27th. So hopefully you've been working on something already or you're about to wrap it up because submission is due at the end of this month. So let's get to it, folks. Uh, Congresswoman Elise uh, Stefanik said she is excited to see the artwork students from the North Country are able to produce for the competition. Each year, I look forward to receiving dozens of incredible pieces of art, showcasing the talent of students in my district for the Congressional Art Competition, Congresswoman uh, Stefanik said. This competition is an amazing opportunity for students to display their artistic prowess and creativity. I am proud to work to empower young people to showcase their personalities through their artistic expression, and I look forward to showcasing the winner's artwork in the United States Capitol to show the creativity of New York's. 21st District. So New York is already um, on the job right here. They're putting it out to their folks. Um, So panels of district artists will select the winning entries. The chosen winning pieces must arrive framed while still remaining under the maximum dimensions. Winners will be recognized both in their district and at an annual awards ceremony in Washington, D.C. The winning works will then be displayed for one year at the U.S. Capitol alongside artwork from students from across the nation. According to the United States House of Representatives, the artistic discovery competition began in 1982, and since then, more than 650,000 high school students have uh, participated. The competition is sponsored by the Congressional Institute each year. Awesome. So get your work in, folks. Get your, get your kids to put their nose to the grindstone and, and, uh, and finish off those uh, uh, submissions before April uh, 27th. The last thing we'll do before we get back to our artist is I have a book recommendation. So this book is called Fake. It's a novel by Erica Katz. And the plot is, I won't give away too much. So uh, the 26-year-old Emma Kahn learned from her professor at Yale that her paintings were unexceptional. Technically, they were superior, but emotionally, they felt detached. Adding to that disappointment, she received no answer from the art gallery she submitted her portfolio to. It appears her work is not passionate enough. They say so. She takes a job with Gemini Reproductions. Gemini Reproductions, hence the uh, what we was reading an article before uh, about reproducing, so making sure the work is uh, does not violate copyright laws, using her technically superior skills uh, to copy the most famous paintings uh, of the masters. Right. So I'll just. Let that cliffhanger hang there and see uh, what kind of shenanigans she gets into. The vibe of the of the book is it, it's fast paced. Looks into a, the world of fine art with a suspenseful suspenseful kind of a, a twist. Um, uh, it, it answers the question: What would you do if you could have the life you've always wanted? So you're an up and coming artist. You think you've got skills, and you know it just wasn't hasn't been working out for you. But like you, you do something. Uh, and I'm not again I'm trying not to give any spoilers but you know you end up getting the life that you wanted and what you've always wanted so readers who revel in seductive temptation will love this artist thriller it's it's a bit of a thriller so I recommend you checking that out again the book is called Fake Uh, it's a novel by Erica Katz Uh, she's also the author of a a previous book called the, uh, The Boys Club so go check that out and if you do read it Come back to the show and let us know how, um, how what you thought. You know, leave, a, leave some comments in, um, you know, on our Twitter or, or Instagram uh, or even where you listen to the show now. So, now let's get back to our artist of the day, Danny Farrell. Danny Farrell was born in Flint, Michigan in 1991 and spent his formative years in rural Pennsylvania. In a town no more than a few thousand people. Deeply conservative, most placed uh, religion above all else. And anyone deviating from religion uh, was treated as a herald of immorality. He was a man who loves other men. This violated cultural norms, forcing him to conceal his life from others, causing feelings of guilt and alienation. Danny completed his Bachelor's of Arts in, uh, at, P- at Penn State, uh, later, he would receive his BFA with Distinction in Painting from uh, from Penn State and his MFA in Painting from Rhode Island School of Design in 2016. He still lives and works in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, actually, where he balances his studio practice with teaching, uh, working as an adjunct professor at Carnegie Mellon University. Farrell describes Pittsburgh art scene as both urban and rural. It has small but vibrant scenes, um, so it's not a bad spot for him to lay his roots in a space that's on the upswing. They have museums, galleries, and studio buildings that foster a sense of community for the artists and enthusiasts that live and work in the area. All of this is buttressed by the city itself, which tries to support the arts through grants and other initiatives. It doesn't hurt that Pittsburgh is also rather inexpensive city, allowing him to basically live to work and not work to live. About that work, and a bit about his process, Danny Farrell is quite thorough. In art school, he'd often get pushback on how rigid his plans actually were for an upcoming piece. But as he sees it, he needs everything to be fleshed out beforehand so he can relax and just enjoy the process of painting. So typically, he would reach out to one of his friends. They schedule an afternoon for a little photo shoot. They you know, they raid the closet and play dress up until the model finds something they're comfortable in. They take a bunch of pictures. Once he was satisfied with the photographs, he'd drop them in an app. Um, uh, on his iPad and, and and sketching and collaging until it felt right. From there, the image gets translated to canvas. So you walk into a room, you walk into an art gallery. How do you spot a Pharaoh piece? Just think sublime skyscapes, um, dreamful, almost dreamfully romantic. You walk into the space and you'll see colorful, gregarious, acid-wash aesthetic. All of it done with meticulous technical precision. Remember, we talked about his his, his meticulous planning. Uh, it's almost to the point, I would say, almost to the point of hyper-realism, but not quite. Working within the tradition of George Tucker and Hudson River School, he purchased his, um, his figures... On the edge of the routine, where lush landscapes, colorful gradients, and intricate patterns interact to create a magic reality that is both ordinary and extraordinary, I dare say. Loosely based on his own relationships, experiences, and imagination, his work functions like a daydream, where, where memory and, and longing shape a personal fiction. He has been gesturing to the vast canon of European royalty, actually, in his painting by blending the epic and the banal in painted images of gay men and their dogs. This combination quotes the pageantry of that history, their rich garb and over-the-top landscapes, and in so doing elevates queer bodies from second class to royal class. Although subtle, Danny's work is... Brimming with historical, political, uh, even biblical context, there's much to be uncovered from one of Danny's paintings. Danny is influenced by the church in more ways than one. Actually, for starters, the painter's studio is based in an old, renovated church, where, which is where he creates his color-riddled portraits of friends, uh, acquaintances, and loved ones. He also went to Catholic school for ten years. So it feels like a full circle moment um, painting in a church basement. The artist also never shies away from using Catholic symbology or imagery, which also takes shape via angelic color palettes, luminous lighting and what say is isn't luminous lighting the same thing luminous lighting anyways, and saintly stances from his sitters. His most recent body of work is the pinnacle of that a series of paintings portraying his friends and peers. Which are now on show at Miles uh, McHenry Gallery through the 23rd of April. Go check them out. In these pieces, Danny has crafted a vibrant collection with warm, saturated environments and powerful compositions. His subjects more important are those that he resonates with people from the LGBTQIA community that he captures going about daily activities like riding a bike. He goes on to say, In my paintings, I represent fantasies and fears about the other through depictions of the everyday queer male experience. I compose paintings that deliver the realism of daily life while imbuing it with homoerotic flirtation. By presenting homoerotic images of ubiquitous scenes that appeal to mainstream audiences, the work is universal and human. While being a gay man plays its part greatly in Farrell's work, ultimately, the artist articulates, these are my friends and people that I have an emotional resonance with. I want to put positive images of gay men and queer-identifying individuals into the world so we can diversify the often tragic canon of LGBTQ film and art. Ethereal landscapes of trees, clouds, and flowers surround the sitters to reinforce the importance of self-discovery and reinvent the role of the male figure in the canon of landscape painting. Today's ekphrastic poem is inspired by a work that was actually commissioned for the New York Times Magazine's annual, The Lives They Lived. So The Lives They Lived is a thing that they do every year to recognize, I don't know if it's just celebrities or or rock stars and stuff. They recognize every year. It's kind of a posthumous kind of thing. So, you know, people that have died and they, they dedicate this um, this annual Uh, The Lives They Lived uh, issue uh, to folks that passed away in that previous year. So for this one, Professor Danny Farrell, remember he teaches at Carnegie. He was commissioned to paint a portrait of a Pittsburgh-born rapper, singer, and producer. You might know him as Mac Miller. Uh, He passed away only a year prior. Now remember, here's how it works. This is going to be a description of a visual art piece. As I'm speaking, I want you to visit the ecrastic page on my website, darwindarko.com. Check the show notes. There should be a link there. At the site, you will find all this stuff cataloged for your viewing pleasures, all the stuff that we discussed from day one. To so accompany today's reading, I want you to look up um, Mac Miller uh, by Danny Farrell. I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. What I'm saying is, you just don't know how beautiful you are. And baby, that's my favorite part. You walk around so clueless to it all, like nobody's going to break your heart. It'll be all right, babe. See, me, I got you covered. I'm going to be your lover. You might be the one. If it's only for tonight, hey, we don't need to worry. We ain't in a hurry, rushing into love. You know I know who you really are. Ain't no need to lie. Said the universe couldn't keep us apart. Why would he even try? Yeah. Don't let them hurt you ever. I know you're far too smart. Before things come together, they have to fall apart. It's been a while since I've been sober. This life can be so hard. I'd rather talk to you. If you want to stay, we can take it slow, because you and me, we got enough on our minds, but I can make time for something so divine. Malcolm James McCormick, also known professionally as Mac Miller, was an, was an American rapper and record producer from Pittsburgh uh, in September 2018, after a long struggle with addiction and substance abuse, which was often referenced in his lyrics, Miller then died from an accidental drug overdose of cocaine, fentanyl, and alcohol at his home. He was 26. Professor Farrell writes of his portrait uh, of Mac Miller, there's this blasé attitude that rappers can have but he just seemed to be focused on the music as opposed to the pageantry of celebrity life I wanted to capture that humanness that raw quality and do something celebratory not particularly sad weirdly last night he came to me in a dream and gave me a hug it was a nice validation so what's in the market for Danny Farrell um, his work has been shown in exhibitions in the US, Canada, France, including including solo shows at Pittsburgh Center for the Arts, uh, PACT in Paris, France, that was in 2018, and 2021, uh, 2018 and 2021, and um, Marinaro in in, um, in New York in 2019. He also participated in, in numerous group shows, uh, such as Anna Zarina Gallery, uh, Heron Galleries Westmoreland Museum of, of American Art um, and Jeff Bailey Gallery that's uh, also in New York uh, and I, as I mentioned before he's got um, uh, he's got his work now uh, at uh, McCurney Gallery through uh, the end of this month so uh, you still have a chance to check him out there or uh, if you're in um in paris uh he still has his work displayed at the the pact Uh, you can also find danny if you want to just a taste a preview of his of his work uh go to his instagram and follow him there at danny j farrell all his work i don't know if it's all of his work but a bunch of his work displayed there uh and instagram is a really good um set up to kind of scroll through a bunch of his work and just keep scrolling and and uh get inundated with his stuff and it's a it's a joy it's a pleasure to to to, to check out his stuff uh, and you know what if you follow him uh from this show you know leave him a message tell him that the Ekfrastic podcast sent you <laughs> you know drop that note maybe you can uh one day i can uh link up and maybe do an interview or something so we never know it all takes uh, a community right <laughs> so we uh we painted yet another pretty picture today just like danny farrell uh we painted it with our words i'm glad you took the time to join me on this journey so for this artwork and other artwork we discuss Again, visit my website, darwindarko.com, backslash ekphrastic. If you like the show, don't forget to rate us, uh, leave some creative feedback. Um, hopefully, uh, you can leave a, leave a comment, let me know that you're listening, let me know you got some questions, maybe you have some of nice my show ideas. Um, speaking of which, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, at theekphrastic, Instagram, the ekphrastic. Uh, and on YouTube, you just, just type in uh, Ekfrastic Podcast and, and uh, we show up there. So that's, that's all the places you can, you can find and follow. I appreciate you joining this time. I've been Darwin Messadu. Thanks again for listening to The Ekfrastic.